Have you ever noticed that we become like the people we hang around the most? In today's episode, our special guest, Ken Hanneman, shares his journey of law of attraction and how big risks equal big rewards, even when it's not in our time frame. And we go deep into how mindset plays a huge piece of our success journey. Stay tuned to his inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. But wait, there's more. Stay tuned to future episodes for big announcements coming soon. And after listening to this episode, search for the Lima Charlie Network on Instagram and Facebook and give us a follow. We are working on some really big things coming your way. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Joe Bogdan from the Llama Leadership Team and co-host of the Llama Lounge Podcast. And I wanted to share with you this amazing opportunity to become a published author and become a fire starter. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Well, it did to me. And joining the Firestarters Book Project was an amazingly easy and fun way to get my feet wet in the published author space. Shay and Christine made it so easy to navigate through the publishing realm and gave me the blessed opportunity to share my story with the world, and they would love to do the same for you. They are seeking aspiring authors like you to collaborate with them, and the best part is that they are going to do all of the hard work for you. All you have to do is commit to the process. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So join the team by visiting firestartersbookproject.com and tell them Joe sent you. It will change your life for the better, I promise. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and your business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change at my website is jsparks.com. And while you're there, feel free to connect with me on all my social media links, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook. And today, our guest is the amazing Ken Hanneman. Thank you, Ken, for being on the show. Thrilled to be here with you, Shay, and looking forward to a purposeful conversation. Wherever the trails take us, I'm ready to go. So thrilled to be here with you. Well, and I'm just so excited to have you on because we met in person just, what, two months ago in Nashville at at a uh, Total Life Freedom meetup. And it was just like, oh my gosh, we have so much an alignment together and so much in common. So I was so excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to be here and talk about wherever the winds blow us. But yeah, I definitely love to have deep connections and vibe out with people that I'm on the same frequency with. And you were definitely one of those people. So looking Mm -hmm. forward to it. Love it. Thank you. So for those of you who don't know, Ken Hanneman is the founder and possibility mindset coach of Ungraduated Living and Learning. He was a high school dropout that was labeled a failure by society, but through his own unconventional approach towards life, he found meaning and success. He has experienced truths in life that have taught him that we do indeed manifest our own realities through our thought energy, the law of attraction, as well as our belief systems. Ken aims to share these learnings and other aspects of leadership, growth, and personal development with his audience and clients. His podcast, Ungraduated Living and Learning, contains weekly episodes 
from his own learnings and discoveries, along with interview episodes of successful individuals that have ungraduated from their outdated belief systems and are finding more purpose, meaning fulfillment in life on their terms and not through societal labels. Wow. Ken teaches his clients to find their way through their why and that life isn't all in their hands, but rather mostly in their heads. And you can reach him and all of his uh, social media links and blog and podcast is at the website as on unconventional doc, or I'm sorry, ungraduated.com. So Ken, gosh, I am just so excited and can't wait to dive in because clearly we have so much to talk about with that bio. Wow. Lots of little things that you do, lots of different things that you do. So I always like to start off with the first question of what does investing in people mean to you? Well, yeah, thanks, Shay. And for the question, thank you for that. And for the the uh, bio, I'm sitting here thinking back through my life and where it's all been and where it's at now and how we're here having this conversation. But yeah, as far as service towards other and investing into others, really, it is about service for me. It's about once we get to a point, this is the key here, I think, in life is once we get to a point where we have our base essentials met, and I talk a lot about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is really, as you work up towards self-sustainability, a lot of people keep going for me, 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 mm-hmm. and they really don't always think to invest in others. And how I think about investing in others is showing up with the service-minded attitude to bring not only the best experiences in life that have helped you, but also the teachings, learnings, trials, and tribulations that can go a long way in hopes that other people can find their ways through their whys as well. So I'm big on purpose, very passionate about that and having a defined purpose. I think we're all here for a purpose and a reason for being. Could be big, could be small, but it's the beauty of it. It's what you make of it. It's your story to tell. So I think investing in others is really looking out for the greater good of all of mankind, all of humankind that is in your circle of influence. It doesn't have to be grandiose, could be your family, but that is what investing in others is, is trying to become lifelong learners and then teaching others along with you as we figure out this human experience that we're all trying to be the best we can at, right? I love your answer. And it just brings me back to the the concept of when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And when the mm-hmm. teacher is ready, the student appears. And so tell us how that has really impacted your own life, because it sounded like at one point you weren't really into listening to teachers. Yeah, it, it is an unconventional story, of course. And the whole aspect of ungraduated comes from a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek kind of a pun on my own life being a high school dropout, as you read in that bio. And it wasn't so much that I disliked school or didn't like teachers. For the most part of my life, I was good at school and enjoyed learning, but I got towards my high school years. And as many of us do in the adolescent phases, we get a little bit sidetracked by what's going on in life. And I allowed myself to get sidetracked and really became my own worst enemy. And one day without paying attention, because back then, this isn't late, late nineties, they didn't have emails to give the parents. They didn't have electronic report cards still. Mm, (laughs) So my, my mother who was working multiple jobs was just too busy to really keep up on how I was doing. She assumed that all my honor rolls and all the continuation of good, of good grades was continuing. So long story short, I found myself with not enough credits 
to mm. graduate my senior year. I had missed too much school and I had thought that I might be able to make it up my senior year. But the guidance counselors there told me that would not be the case. I had to come back for another year. Wow. And at that point in my life, I just really wasn't, I was 18. I was an adult. Um, I was having some personal issues that we can talk about more if you want, but I decided to hightail it out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I was born and raised and moved to Tampa, Florida, oh, where wow. I established myself and worked very hard from a very ground level to not be a failure that I was mm. assumed to be because I was somebody in the fast food business who was not making a lot of money in high school. And of course you have that cliche of, mm-hmm. you know, you're in fast food. So what are you going to do with, with your whole life? Are you going to just waste it? So it was a lot to prove a lot of chip on the shoulder, but yes, I enjoy learning. And it's part of what I teach is that education is important, but giving people the power to, discover themselves instead of being programmed or told how things are supposed to be. So I don't always agree with all education. I think it's important. I like learning, but I think we got to teach people how to learn, not be Mm. so, not always be so prescriptive in what they should learn. So that's my two cents on it. I love, gosh, there's so many different ways, so many things I want to ask you about that. So I, 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 you just, I feel like for me hit the nail on the head because there's so much pressure when we're in high school to go to college and maybe not everyone is cut out for that four year college path and beyond. Right. And there's so much pressure for that, that it's almost as if we are taking our, our, well, in, in, in at you and I's case, our children right? We're, we're pressuring them to make a decision to actually set them up for failure because more than likely they're not going to do what they decided on graduation day. They're going to shift it to another thing. And we have to make sure that we're setting up them for saying things like, it's okay to change your mind. hundred mm, percent. And I just feel like you just really took such a brave step because you were literally saw that this wasn't going the path that for, for you. And you were so courageous. You didn't just go, okay, this isn't the path for me and kept working in fast food. No, you were like, you know what? Forget y'all. I'm out of here. And you moved to Tampa. I mean, wow. So what was that, that experience like for you? Like being what I'm assuming you're like 18, 19, you're probably on your own in a new city. And, and now you're like, gosh, now what? That's exactly what it was like. And at first I just assumed, well, at the very worst case scenario, this is just a year long vacation. I could just work from Tampa. It's not the worst place to live and work. If you have to work hard, at least you're in the sunshine state and it's you know mostly 10 months or more of just great weather. So I figure it can't be that bad. If I need to have some time to figure it out, I'll figure it out. But I did not know exactly how things would transpire. I get there in late 99 at the age of 18 and just started to apply myself. I was always the first one to show up and work hard. Um, At the time, there was a big need for restaurant leaders to step up and run restaurants. So I moved quickly from a team member shift manager to a general manager running my own restaurant in one year's time. So even back then, it wasn't a lot of money per se as what those folks in the business earn today, but I was getting close to earning what I would have earned coming out of college with a four-year degree. So it wasn't that I didn't want to go to college, but I definitely, looking back at it, found my own unique path that I wouldn't change. Yes, mm-hmm. I dropped out of high school. I got my GED. 
that was a frustrating point for my parents and a lot of people in my life saying, you're just wasting it all away. So I did have that chip on the shoulder of, I have to be successful. I have to prove myself, but Mm. I did not want to necessarily follow the same track that society told me. So I can't explain what it was other than a intuitive gut feeling of, I will be fine. If I do the work, I will be fine. If I apply myself and my life will unfold how it needs to. So yes, it was hard work, but I found myself making it. I'm doing air quotes here (laughs) by deem what society says and eventually Mm -hmm. did, did go back to college, did get my four-year degree. The irony in that is at the time for business management, I had already learned enough in my business that that piece of paper, that very expensive piece of paper probably wasn't necessary. And even Mm -hmm. to this day, as a vice president of operations on that side of the business, Mm -hmm. getting into what I'm doing now entrepreneurially, no one's ever asked me for that piece of paper. No Mm. one. Pretty amazing, right? But that's not what I say for everybody. Certainly lawyers, doctors, and different different walks of life should entertain and absolutely (laughs) need to go get educated. But it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all, at least not, not how I see it. I totally agree. I mean, I, mine was unconventional as well. So it's, it's fascinating to hear other people's stories who had, you know, didn't take the direct path. Like so many of us were, I'm just going to say told to do. It's not about asking what it is that you really want to do. It's about being told this is what you're expected because this is what your parents did. Right. So you mentioned some personal issues going on. So can you take us back to that time of your life and really kind of share with us what was happening? Yeah, for sure. No, it's um, definitely going back a ways now, but in my probably mid-teens, 16, 17 year old. So before becoming an official adult by what society claims that you're able to become an adult, I started to hang with the wrong crowd. As Mm -hmm. I became more and more recluse away from high school, I found myself being attracted into a different audience and Mm -hmm. I was being accepted into that audience. And for lack of better terms, just in a place with not a whole lot to do and not the best neighborhood, we resorted to doing things that we thought were fun that were absolutely bad and, <laughs> and not exactly good, like breaking into cars, stealing things out of people's vehicles, just in the spirit of what teenagers thought was fun. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't anything that was super, super bad where I actually would have a felony record, but I was arrested and put in um, handcuffs because at one point the neighbor saw what was going on. The irony on that day is I wasn't stealing anything, so I didn't mm. run. I didn't run. I say, why the heck should I run if I'm not doing anything? But the other kids did. I happened to be the eldest in that group. They arrested me. I was about six weeks away from turning 18, and they were going to do all they could, they said, whether it was just empty threats to try to scare me back to being a productive member of society or not. They were definitely effective in scaring me, saying that your life's going to be over. You'll be charged as an adult. This will be on your record for seven years. My mom was called down to the police station. It was a terrible moment, definitely a rock bottom moment for me at a young age. But thankfully, what happened out of it was I was an, I was assigned a probation officer and was able to do some community service and make up for that. And it did not go on my record. But my mm-hmm. life would be very different, I think, had that been put on my record because I wouldn't have been able to pass a background check mm-hmm. to become a manager in, in the industry that I was aspiring after becoming at that point in time in my life. So it was an interesting point, but again, one that I look back at and reflect and wouldn't change because it's taught me the lessons I've needed to help relate to certain mm-hmm. people in my business and also just being able to see where I've come from in my life and learn those lessons from then to where I'm at now. 
I wouldn't change it. I knew we were kindred spirits, <laughs> both a little bit of a troublemaker growing up. I mean, that's, I think that's kind of typical teenage angst, right? And yeah. so I'm just curious to know, like when you were all, when you were arrested, were you thinking about quitting high school and moving to Tampa at the time? Or did that actually help propel you to move that direction? I would say that it definitely helped propel me because I saw where my future was taking me. Yeah. I had this, this, this intuition again of you just got to get out of here. And mm-hmm. all I can, all I can explain it as is a, it was a heavy, dark feeling. Um, mm-hmm. Many days of not wanting to wake up or face the challenges. It was the one point in my life that I can honestly say that I ran away from a problem versus trying to, to hit it head on. But mm-hmm. I felt that if I stayed, I didn't want to become a product of what, that demographic was. And I love my hometown and the people that I still sometimes can talk with and can relate to, but it is a depressed, low-income, old steel mill, rust belt part of Pittsburgh. There's not a whole lot left there. So there's no economy that Mm. really has ever come back. And back then at 18, I didn't know a whole lot about all of that. All I knew was the vibe in this town isn't taking you anywhere. So if you got to stick back through one more year of school, you already got something that feels good with a population of people who are embracing you in the restaurant space. Just go run for it and give it, give it your all. And if it works out great, if it doesn't, then you can come back, um, pertain, or maybe go to and be a part of community schools and try to actually get my education if it didn't work out that way. But again, it did work out. And unconventionally, here I sit today at the age of 40, about 20 years later, just being flabbergasted and having the reflection to see what decisions really changed my life for the better. And it was really around that personal accountability and that Mm -hmm. mindset piece that I didn't probably have figured out to about 30, but the hard work took me for about a decade. And then things took off from about 30 onward as I got that mindset right. You know, there's something so profound when you said that you were running with a crowd of people that you had attracted because they were accepting you. Mm-hmm. And I went through that own my own time of that my senior year, actually, because I had just gotten a DUI and all of my friends, parents that I used to hang around with said, she's a bad influence. You can't hang out with her, even though they had been with me and they were probably more drunk than I was the night I got my DUI. But I'm the one who got in trouble. So that was like kind of ostracized from the little town that I grew up in. And so, and my dad had left right before that as well, or right after, right before my senior year. And so he said, you have to get a job. So I started hanging around a crowd that had, you know, and where I got a job, a different, a bigger little town, bigger little town. Yeah. A bigger (laughs) little town. And there was, you know, just a different mindset of people. And at one point it was almost as if, and I'm going to use this term loosely, but it's almost like you're part of a gang. Yeah. Right. And I totally understand why it's so attractive to be in that kind of environment because exactly what you just said that I think that we as society don't talk about enough is that you are trying to find your people that accept you. And if your family doesn't accept you, if your friends don't accept you, if society's not accepting you, then you're going to attract someone who's going to accept you. And sometimes those someones aren't good influences. That is exactly how it happened for me, Shay. 
unknowingly at the time, right. didn't know any right. better, but I was put, I was longing and needing social acceptance mm-hmm. and ha- having had it at a younger age and being more popular in school. I knew what it felt like, but for whatever reason, why, where my life was going, I was unaware at the time of what intentions I was putting out there. And I was reclusing myself back into a perspective that really was going to limit me in terms of what my experiences were going to be. So needing that belonging, I reached out to the people that were there for me and that embraced me. It just happened to be not the best crowd, right. uh, but I learned so much through it, but it's unfortunate that yes, we get these labels placed on us throughout time of whether it's failure, dropout, DUI, criminal, thief, mm-hmm. these things do not define us. We make mistakes as a part of the learning process, but our society is set up in a way that there is not a lot of wiggle room for some mm-hmm. people when they make certain mistakes. So I was grateful for the learning, but certainly looking back at it, I still wouldn't change it because it's helped define who I am. You know, for the listeners, I just want you to really hear what Ken just said. He, one, would not change it. And he did not let it define him. Just like me, I didn't let what happened to me define me. But another key thing that you said is you listen to your intuition. I did the same thing and I ended up moving when I was 19 away into a, you know, a bigger city to get closer to my dad. I had to start over just like you, you moved, you had to start over. And there is something about, you know, kind of picking yourself up from the bootstrap, so to speak, and being able to reinvent, recreate who you are, where you want to go, what you want your life to look like, that if you don't have that opportunity, you really almost are stunted in a way because you go along with the quote unquote societal norms. So for people like you and me who really like dug deep and said, nope, I can do something completely new and different, you you almost like build up a resilience muscle and a courage muscle and a confidence muscle. So take us back to now you're in Tampa, you're, you're, you're the, ma- the general manager, and now you're like, okay, now I am on the top of the, my world of what I know. What were you thinking about what's next for me? Yeah, I just knew at that point in time, I still carried this chip on my shoulder mm. of I've got to prove myself to the world, right? And mm-hmm. for, for a long time, that, 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 that carried me. And it did help with the hard work, the long days, the long weeks. There was a lot of serious hours and yeah. investment put into that business. But I was able to get promoted to an area supervisor four years later. So then I'm 24 always having been this youngest at every position in the in this corporate world that I've been a part of now for almost 24 years even with my entrepreneurial ventures now this is all recent mm-hmm. i just knew at that point in my life in my early to mid 20s i had to become something i had mm-hmm. to show that i was successful again by what society i was still thinking underneath that terms of what society says so knowing that i dropped out of high school didn't have a college education it meant attaining a six-figure income. At that mm-hmm. point in my life, that's where I pinned success. Yeah, I said, I will be successful when I hit a six-figure income. And I was able to do that by the time that I was 30. And without going too far into the future here, it, it just began to feel hollow. It began to feel empty. Mm-hmm. I started to realize there's more to life than just money and status and material gains. I, ha- I had 
formed a pretty good life for myself, but, but was beginning to ask deeper questions and figuring out the real way life works and purpose and mindset. And I started to kind of turn on inside, if you will, I started to mm-hmm. activate to realize there's a whole lot more to life than just what meets the physical eye. But for that, for that 10 year period of my life, it was promotions, status, more money and thinking I was going to go as high as CEO. My goal was to become the CEO of whichever fast food chain restaurant that I happened to work for. Back then it was Taco Bell. Now it's Arby's. So at the end of the day, it's still something that I used to look back at and always think this is where I have to be the highest level possible. And now my entire perception has changed. I want Mm. to give back and I want to help others. The titles don't matter as long as my lifestyle is met which is not the most richest lifestyle. It's certainly well off and I'm thankful for it, but I want to help people who are out there who were like me realize what they can accomplish if they just figure out the mindset piece. So I just heard this, what you just said reminds me of this quote that I just heard that Shaq had said and Shaq had told his kids that I am rich, but the owner of the team is wealthy. And Yeah. And I'm just sitting here thinking like what you just said about rich. And I'm like, you are rich. And now you're creating not just monetarily wealth, you're creating wisdom wealth. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to look at it. And again, I think that most people, not all, but most, they don't connect the dots. And in a lot of ways, it is about their families. I applaud the effort of take care of the family, take care of the family. But then I still think too many parents, once those kids grow and are out of the nest and you become you become an empty nester, what then in mm-hmm. life? Your kids will make their own decisions. So I, I begin to look at things a little bit deeper and saying, for the greater good, how do we mm-hmm. help anybody who's a part of our inner circle? And that's just how my mind works, but it, it definitely wasn't always that way. I think because of where I've come from to where I'm at, I can see both sides of it, but not everybody can connect those dots, unfortunately. So when did the dots start to show up for you? I know that you, you know, you're, you're at 30, you're super successful and you mentioned law of attraction. You mentioned how now you you're taking on, you know, just a few years later, you're taking on this entrepreneurial endeavor. So what really started to shift for you? Yeah, for me, it was about around my late twenties. I'll say about 27 years old is whenever I came across Rhonda Beerns, The Mm. Secret. Yeah, And it wasn't a movie yet. It was just a book. Mm -hmm. I believe it was just a book, but I read the book. And for whatever reason why, as I'm going through the book, everything is clicking. Like Mm. in a very profound lightning rod kind of way of you need to go explore more about this kind of stuff. I didn't understand it, but I knew what I was reading had to have some relevancy in life because I started to believe about accountability at that point Mm -hmm. in my life. I saw the hard work I was putting in versus the other side of the coin whenever you don't work as hard and you expect things to happen, they don't always happen. So I started to see that mindset, that victim mindset versus Mm -hmm. growth mindset, or some call it a fixed mindset versus Mm -hmm. growth mindset. So I aligned myself as being having a a growth mindset and saying, if this stuff is true, if any of this stuff can be actually tangible proof of how energy and focus and mindset actually works, let me try a few things. Mm -hmm. And by the age of 30, I was just getting more and more reading, more and more developmental tools that I could not stop going down these rabbit holes with. And 
of course, I took all this stuff and used it as learning for the people who work for me mm-hmm. without crossing too many lines. I didn't want to, you know, cross over spiritual boundaries or any kind of religious beliefs, you know, working for a corporate restaurant chain, nothing that I say or do is reflective of them. So I have to always be careful of that. But I right. knew there was good leadership principles that I could apply to help people realize what self-accountability meant and yes. what, what, what personal investment of learning can do for you. And then I started to learn about taking action, meaning that you just can't consume all the right. time. You got to take this information and go apply the learning. So mm-hmm. After reading The Law of Attraction, it put me into understandings with Eckhart Tolle's work, The Power of Now, Mm -hmm. A New Earth. Those two books are very introspective around ego and the removal of the ego and putting yourself into the present moment so that you cannot allow the past to cripple you and you don't let the future that hasn't even happened yet (laughs) cripple you because all you ever have is this exact moment. Mm -hmm. That was an epiphany for me because I was caught up in, while I have the the future, the future, the future. Mm -hmm. It hadn't even happened yet. Yes, I was creating it one decision, one choice at a time. But I also would think back to my past, whether it be a bad speech or a bad interview or a bad result period of time in my life. And I'm like, that's gone with, it doesn't even matter anymore. Right. So I kept, I kept getting spoon fed almost serendipitously, if you will, because I was putting out the intention, I believe of give me more information, put me, mm. put, put in front of me what's next. And I believe that, 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 that the universe or God or insert whatever belief you have for higher power, whatever's out there, I think is more of a conscious energy field that we're all a part of. We just don't realize that we're connected to it. So when you can figure out how that works and how important your belief system is, because that frames your choices and it frames what is put in front of you, you either don't see these things happening or you do begin to see them happening. And for me, that's when it really started to click that I am literally in control of 90% of my life through my own choices. Yes, it takes some time to materialize, but every single thing I do puts me in front of the next moment and the next moment and the next moment. So to me, it was profound. I love, absolutely love this conversation because it's, it's about creating your own reality. And you have done that time and time again. And what is so amazing to me is when I talk about it or uh, from my own experience of what you said about being, you know, stuck in the past or you're stuck in the future, worried about the future. To me, that's all fear. It's how fear is showing up. There is no fear in the present moment. There is only fear in the past and there's only fear in the future. So, cause we're beating ourselves up about what happened in the past and we're worried about what's happening in the future. So for me, what, is so interesting is when I tell people about being in an abusive relationship and help them getting out of it. I'm like, you attract who you are. And most people are like, what? I'm not abusive. And I'm like, okay, so how often are you abusive to yourself? And that thought has never crossed their mind. It's their thoughts. And look, I don't want to minimize. I never will minimize anyone's trauma. Lord knows this uh, world goes through enough of it, unfortunately, but it's what we do with those situations and how we can become empowered through them, through the thinking. What we don't often realize without going down a different rabbit hole here is that the thoughts that we're thinking are what's going to attract more to us. And if we think things like, 
I want out of this abusive relationship. That seems good, but mm-hmm. you have to actually reprogram your mind to say, I will not, I am not a part of a abusive relationship. I will not tolerate these kinds of things. If you think yourself negatively, you're attracting more of that kind of attitude, belief, emotion into yourself to where you reciprocate that through actions. You may not believe in yourself enough. You may not love yourself enough to take the right steps. I know it's hard and I've not been a part of anything abusive. So it's hard for me to sit here and say exactly how those things work. But I know that your thoughts and what you're putting out there Mm -hmm. energetically is going to pull more into your being. It kind of comes into that uh, view of, do you have a view that the world good place or a bad place? You'll see more good things. If you see it as a good place, you'll see more bad if you see it as a bad. So if you're in a bad relationship and thinking that those bad thoughts, you're going to bring more of that into you. Even if you get out of those relationships, sometimes you still take the wrong actions because you haven't rewired the subconscious. Yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, statistics will tell you that, you know, most, yeah. Right. Like most people who it meant to, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of men I've met, especially in the last year that have been abused by their uh, significant other. That's a woman. And so there are people out there that they prey, unfortunately, on someone that they can abuse. So if you have a, a mindset of, I need someone to love me, because a lot of times we need that acceptance, going back to that, what we talked about in the beginning, we're looking for someone to accept me. Well, guess what? You're going to find someone to sort of accept you in the beginning and then eventually they're going to start treating you badly and poorly and it gets, it continues to get worse. But if you really take the time and say exactly what you just said, I love that you mentioned that is that I am, will not tolerate to be abused. I am going to heal because that way you don't go back and not just to that person, but you're going to attract another person who does the same thing. So it's so important. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to add one more point of context into this, and this is not opinion. This is actual scientific proof. When it comes to understanding how this thought process works, science is proving through the research of Greg Braden, Bruce Lipton, or just a couple names out there who are boldly putting it out there that the energy field that we can't see around us is kind of like water to a fish. A fish really can't tell it's in water because water is its natural environment, kind of how we live in air and Mm -hmm. breathe air. We can't see the air, but within the air is protons, neutrons, electrons, quarks, all different kinds of scientific jargon that they've been able to prove through testing now that when those protons, neutrons, electrons, particles are not being observed by a physical eye or mind, they respond differently than whenever they are being observed. So they've done these tests with cameras running with no human eye behind it versus whenever they are observed through a lens by a human eye, they behave differently because that person's thought expecting to see something makes the particles respond. It's mind blowing stuff. But what we have to realize is that our thoughts and our emotions and how we draw them into us are going to reciprocate those actions inside of our lives. So for anybody who's listening, who's like, yeah, this sounds like, you know, new age mumbo jumbo. It's not. I know it has some connotations, (laughs) but you really can rewire yourself. You've got to catch Mm -hmm. yourself in those moments of thinking negative thoughts so you can stop them from coming into your life. But the last thing I'll say is that the universe, the energy within it that we're all connected with in the field is very literal. It will give you what you think. If you think I am not worth enough, 
it will continue to find things in your life that tells you and proves that you are not worth enough. Mm. If you think with lack, you get more lack. If you think with abundance, you get more abundance. Think with love, you get more love. You think with bad regard or spite or hate, you'll get more of that in your life as well too. That's the literalness of how these particles work and what they bring into our lives. Well, I just want to touch on what you said about the water. So think about it this way as as a science from a scientific background, because I love that you brought in the science of it because you're right. People listen to this and are like, oh, you're talking about universe, you're new agey. And, and I am a Christian. I am a God girl and God created the universe. So there you there's, go. there's that. <laughs> and he created us as yes. what I think it's like 70% water. We're made up of 70% water, something mm-hmm. like that. I know it's more than half, right? Yeah, correct. Most of our globe, our, the, the, the earth, the planet that we live on is mostly water. So think about this, that they, they've done this study called the hidden messages in water. And please, for our listeners, please Google it if you don't know. And Robert, and I cannot tell you his last name. He's Japanese has uh, done studies where they have taken water into different containers. And one, they will have a study where they're telling it good things. They're telling this little container of water. They love you. You know, I love you. I, I adore you. You know, you're doing great, blah, 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 all these wonderful things. And then they took microscopic pictures of them and how the, the molecules of the water were literally the word that comes to mind is happy. Yes. When you have it and they were together, like they were almost like it kind of like a snowflake They Each one was different. And it was like a crystalline picture of at the molecular level, what positive energy it gave to water. And then the one that was negative that would say things like, you're ugly, you're not good enough, you're, you know, you're, I hate you, whatever. They would take micro, again, microscopic pictures of their molecules and it's literally separated. Yes. Completely different. And I'm thinking, imagine these thoughts that you're talking about that we say to ourselves, I have the chills, woo, <laughs> that making up that the water that is making up our body of 70% is hearing it and is going to react accordingly. So we can have little pretty cute snowflakes or we could have separated cells. Your choice. Yeah. And Shay, I love that you're bringing this up. I I have to add just a few more things. I am 100% with you. So again, you got to realize, the listeners have to realize that I too absolutely believe in a higher power, a creator of sorts. Now, I just happened in my own, uh, my own learning and study to not envision this entity as an old white man with a beard in the sky, right. which is what was portrayed to me as a young kid going through uh, Bible school or whatnot. Yep. So yep. I think that if you read the Bible and many other texts of different religions, they have a lot of correlations to... To find the truth, you must go within. I think the Bible says to find the kingdom of God, thou must go within. I think a lot of those references were put there for us to try to figure out or be taught. Now, the Bible and different churches and different sects of religion, they teach things differently. And I think a lot of times it it can it can limit us with this belief that there's an it's only external force. Well, if we are children of God created in God's image, there has to be a connection. And what that created in God's image might be, you can make different assumptions about whether that means human 
or whether that means energy consciousness and Christ conscious connection. So I think we can sometimes get ourselves a little bit sideways whenever we look so minutely at what one teaching says, I would entertain and try to offer up that, yes, we are all connected to God. God did create us and the universe and all things. We just have to figure out how that connection works and how we can use it while we're here in this life to fulfill our purposes to the best of our abilities. God does not want us to suffer through life. Yet, I think part of our learning to join him again is to figure out this higher consciousness thought and connection of love and care and genuine feelings that I think that universal godly energy is made up of. That's my opinion. I don't know that, but through my studies, that tends to make more sense to me and how I relate to it, which again, is different for everyone. I don't think there's one right way or one wrong way. That's my opinion, but take it for whatever you want. I, again, this is why we're, we're, we're best friends immediately. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, I really love, cause it just really ties it back into what we started off in the beginning is you've been a student. I've been a student. We've constantly been when studying, not just, you know, one biblical concept, but all of them and, and other concepts as well, other theories, other information out there. And, and self-development, personal development, all of that. For me, what you just said is brings us back to the now we've learned enough. Again, we're still continuing to learn, but we've learned enough that now people are coming to us and asking, how can I do this? What do I do? Who do you know? Like they're asking for our advice. They're asking for our coaching. Yeah. And I, so we have now become the teacher. And so my whole thing is, and I'll just say this briefly because being growing up in a church that was very conservative, but yet non-denominational, I learned at a very young age because I felt like God spoke to me directly as I'm sitting in Sunday school is that the quote unquote religious people killed Jesus. And so I felt like God sat, sat next to me on the folding chair in Sunday school and said, so be like Jesus be spiritual and love everyone. That's beautiful. And And I love that. Thank you. And as a little kid, I would go around and say, I don't believe in organized religion. And so I literally like, I don't know how it, I, all I can tell you is that moment happened to me. And I have lived like that my entire life because think about it from a standpoint of if we are all sharing the water and we are all in this planet of all water, why wouldn't we love someone who looks different or believes different, especially if we are created by the one? Yeah, I think people just, human beings tend to kind of mess things up sometimes through our own egos. We have these beliefs of we're right, others are wrong. Yes. Really, it just does not need to come down to that. I I was involved in many different church groups. I was baptized Catholic as a baby. And then my mother decided to go to a Presbyterian church, then back to a Catholic Episcopalian church, then Seventh-day Adventist church. So I saw all these different belief systems of them all saying that their way was right, which made me question even more, well, how can this be? Even in our own country, let alone different countries' religions, we can't even figure out for ourselves. And it's egotistical with this is the way that it's supposed to be. So I just have always asked the whys. And found out that that connection comes to you the way that it's meant to. But do your own research. Put out the intention of truth. Mm -hmm. I think 
Truth will find you in the right way that it's meant to at the right time. If you're doing the work, go inward and do the work, apply yourself with some learning and then say, what's next? And then follow your journey. At least for me, that's how it's worked. And it's been one thing in front of the other that just continues to reaffirm that my experiences are truths that are working for me, that I can help at least spark a few seeds or drop a few seeds or create a few sparks for others that might lead them along as well too. Well, it just brings me back to Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, because that's really kind of what you've explained as your life story, really, Ken. You know, you went out on your own, you slayed your dragons, you got through the societal, you know, BS, we'll put it that way, and was really able to now come back because of your own learning, your own trials and tribulations and the things that you seeked out in, for your own understanding And now you've become someone who is, you know, you're giving back. Yeah, I'm definitely trying. Love this. Love this. Thank you. I'm doing my best. And certainly I'm still a work in progress too. We all are. The minute we think we have it all figured out, we're going to already fall behind. So I'm appreciative and thankful with full amounts of gratitude for where I'm at today. But I know I still have more learning and more to give. And that's what my intention is for the rest of my life to my last breath, quite frankly, is to continue to be my best and help others along the way as well, too. Mm, I love that. And and uh, again, because we're best friends, we're along the same lines. I love <laughs> so it. So happy I met you, Shay. So happy. I met you. Same year, again, same year. Uh, we'll just have a few more questions before we wrap up. But I do want to mention something that you said about you can do all this learning and then you have to at some point take action. And I want to give you, uh, not not you, Ken, but I want to give the listeners a really good diagram of how our psychology of our brain works. So we have this thought that happens, and it could be positive or negative. I'm not going to name it. I'm just going to name it as a thought. And our thoughts drive our emotions. And now we're having some sort of emotion. Again, I'm not going to give it good or bad, but it is an emotion. It's a feeling of some sort. And that is what drives our actions. And our action is then we get results. And that result is something that we might want or it's something that we don't want. And if it's something that you don't want, then you have to start back at where? Thoughts, our mindset. And I love that you mentioned about the victim mindset versus the growth mindset. I think we're so caught up, especially in today's world, with all the things that have happened over the last 18 months, almost two years of the stuff that's happened, is that we can easily fall into victim mode. I myself had fallen into victim mode multiple times over my lifetime. And if you are looking on the path of growth, if you're looking on the path of you know, what it is that I'm putting out there that I'm going to attract. What is it that I can manifest? There's another woo-woo word, manifest in order to bring into my life. You have to start back to those thoughts. And that is going to, again, drive those emotions. The emotion drives the action and the action, you get results. Yeah, that's 100% true. And I believe that the action is what also tells the universal loving consciousness, energy, God, whatever you want to call it out there, that you're serious about this. Yes. That's the part. Taking action will then put more into your life to say, okay, I'm going to continue to guide this person and allow them to fulfill their purpose because they're taking the appropriate actions. Now, 
again, you have to become, this is what I believe. And this is what I've taught others become the watcher of your own thoughts. And Mm. when I, when I usually say that people are like, huh, what? And it comes down to, you're not your thoughts. Okay. You're this conscious entity having a, a human experience in this human physical reality, but you are not those things. You're not your thoughts. So this is Eckhart Tolle's work that Mm -hmm. I didn't come up with. I just embraced it and was able to learn through stillness, through taking pause, just reflecting as many times throughout the day as you can, at least in the morning, evening, if you got a lunch break, during different parts of the week or month, just pause and reflect and be still and watch what's going on in your head. The better you can get can, can get it doing that, the better you'll be at recognizing what you're bringing into yourself with that thought energy. So those are some of the first steps to rewire the subconscious or unconscious that's always going, whether you realize it or not. That is a part of a big ungraduation for people to realize <laughs> is that, yes, your thoughts matter, but you are not those things. However, they do manifest and help you take action for better or for worse, which then brings more of those things into your life by how you choose to do with action. Yes, yes, yes. And I will say about the action, the action doesn't have to be this grandioso type of step out of your comfort zone. It can literally be listening to what your intuition is saying, pick up this next book. This is the next book you read. This is the phone call you need to make and have a conversation with this person. That's literally sometimes all it is, is just whatever's next. Yes. And I'll add one thing. It doesn't mean to say yes to everything. Okay. There's a, a big difference there to actually begin to attune yourself to what feels right in your body. I describe a no as a lower kind of a gut, lower level, dull, not so good, kind of creates some anxiety. (laughs) Now you got to be careful because if it's anxiety, that's the ego and fear trying to pull you out of something. So it can get tricky. You got to be able to attune yourself. What feels right in the heart. You can feel a higher sense of energy whenever an option's placed in front of you. If you're doing this kind of work to attune yourself properly, you can begin to understand intuitively what is bad and what is good. So I don't advocate that you say yes to everything. It's it's important to analyze and use your intention for the right decisions. I'm so glad you said that. You have to be in alignment with right. that action. And you know, it, it, for me, I love that you brought it back into the body. For me, it's it's if the thought came out of left field, completely out of nowhere, that is not mine. And to me, that's that intuition, Holy Spirit, guidance from a higher power, God, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that is really speaking to you to say, hey, check this out. Go have that there conversation. And uh, it, it almost vibrates from their toes all the way up. Like your whole body starts to vibrate like, yes. Yeah, you and, feel it. Yes. And I've heard uh, some people, I think it's uh, Marie Folio is saying it's either a no or it's L yes. Yes. Like it's either so spot on, like absolutely, like I have to jump in or it's a nah, I'm good. That's what happened to me with this entire entrepreneurial journey I'm on now is that term ungraduated came from nowhere. It was just a shot in the dark while I was working out one morning. I asked my wife about the name and she's like, I love it. She goes, it fits you and the reprogramming and dropping societal beliefs to a T. So I got some affirmation validation from her, but it was like out of nowhere. 
I yeah. knew I needed to do something. I kept putting out what's next in my life. I've achieved this, this, this corporate level responsibility, but I want and need to do more. Where do I go with this? And that came to me. So I've been running with it. <laughs> see see where it takes it. me. Yeah. You've been running with it because you're running with it on the treadmill. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. That's exactly right. I One step it. at a time. I love it. And so it brings me to my next question of what advice would you give someone who's thinking, you know, Ken, I'm kind of like you. I was at the pinnacle of my career and now I'm thinking I need to do something entrepreneurial. What advice would you give them to go? Yeah, do it. Take that step. Yeah, I'll draw them to one of my absolute favorite books, which is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Yes. I think he has a new book out right now called The Zone of Genius, which is the whole precipice, the whole point of his book, uh, The Big Leap, which is that many of us are operating within a zone of excellence. So if you're worse than that, there's, there's four zones. You have a zone of incompetence, a zone of competence, which neither really serve you very, very well. Incompetence is you're not good at it. You shouldn't be doing it. Competence is you're good at it, but your time would be very much well spent elsewhere. And then there's this zone of excellence that many of us get trapped in. And that is where we feel like life is good. Money is good. We're comfortable. Things feel well, but you just can sense kind of where I was at, at about the age of 30 with, I feel hollow inside. Something doesn't feel mm. right. Like I'm good. I'm, yes. I'm good in this zone, but if I'm going to really reach my fullest potential on this planet, whatever it is. And again, back to your point, it doesn't have to be a grandiose thing. You'll just know if it's better family time, if it's more leadership in the church, if it's what you're going to feel it. But the whole point is if you're going to get to your zone of genius, you need to push past that uncomfortability that the ego is sheltering you from. And remember, it wants to protect you and keep you neat and tucked away with the least amount of scrapes and bruises and skins and whatever else happens to you because it doesn't want you to be damaged. Its whole point is to keep you away. So yep. my advice would be lean in to where mm. those feelings come from. Pay attention, lean into where you feel like you have a calling because that's your intuition from your higher self, from God, from the universe, from your source saying, hey, this is out there. If you want it, it's your choice, free will. You can you can have it or not, but it's going to, it's going to, it'll contain some growth. You'll mm. learn, which is what I'm doing right now. Shay, what you're doing, and hopefully many of the listeners of your show are listening, thinking, wow, I should probably be thinking about these things too. Mm. And again, it doesn't have to always be a change in the job or a big move, but it will probably stretch you past your zone of excellence, which if you want to stay comfortable, fine. But if you want to really push and achieve all that you've been meant to achieve, go for the zone of genius, listen to your intuition and put the ball in motion and then take the action. Amen. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. And gosh, we, as you can tell, we could just talk for hours and hours because it's, we're just so much in alignment. It's just such good stuff to, to talk about too. So before we go, there's just a couple things before we wrap up. One is how can people connect with you? We mentioned the website earlier. Are you on social media? All of those yeah. things. It's been a great conversation though, Shay. So thank you again for just making the time for me to come on and tell a story. I hope that above all else, much as I love these conversations with you, that listeners take action and go continue to better themselves and find 
find ways to have more prosperity, success, happiness, purpose, meaning the things that we're all searching for in life. But for more information on me, for anybody who wants to check out what I'm into outside of my corporate work, because this is what I'm embodying and becoming. So it's ungraduated.com. Yes, that's the best place to go to. It's where I'm building a community of people who are seeking more information, people who want to find a different way other than what they've been taught to believe is the only way to do things. And for those people who are really trying to deprogram those limiting life beliefs that society and education sometimes and different indoctrinations have placed over them. It it just holds us back. We can live a very empowering life. So yes, I'm on all the socials. You can connect to me there at ungraduated.com. Awesome. I love that. Thank you. Ungraduated.com. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. And Ken, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here and Gosh, have an amazing, amazing, incredible conversation. Definitely appreciate you making the time and having this platform, Shay, too, to send the message out there. This is what I love to do. It's just my, it's my passion. And I think you can tell that. I hope the listeners can as well, too. So hopefully we'll do it again sometime. I know I had you on my show and now I'm here on your show. So thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. Well, I think it's just the first of many times to collaborate. I can already see it. I'm hoping so. Awesome. And please, I always like to leave with this question of what phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? I would say that right now, what I'm living by the most is just this continuation of taking action. I think Mm. while I've talked to it earlier, I consumed a lot of information in my life for a long time, and I was grateful to have a lot of it. But for us to achieve our highest potential, it is, again, about taking action. So, You may not have everything figured out. And I've learned and I'm learning that I would rather, I guess, shoot, shoot, shoot and aim later Mm. than being crippled by inaction because Mm. we can sometimes just be stuck by overthinking things. And I'm not advocating we just go out haphazardly, but we can just limit ourselves if we don't begin to take action. So if you've got the means and you've got the ability Don't be afraid to step off the ledge and see where the future takes you. So that's what I'm trying my best to go with right now, knowing that my life, that higher self, God, the universe is going to guide me where it needs to take me because I have the proper intention and I've done the work. So I'm taking action. Mm, I love that. I love that. And what I'm hearing is that you're not letting the analysis paralysis stop you. So great job. Great job. Thank you. Appreciate it. Well, and thank you for listening to the Power of Investing in People podcast. If you liked this episode, because how could you not? I mean, Ken was just on fire. So I know you took some notes. So please go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. And until next time, let's get fired up.